That was a clip from the movie Tremors, the story of monster worms that attacked from their homes deep in the desert. Maybe those creatures were only fiction, but maybe they have a close cousin that actually exists. Because today we're going to talk about the Mongolian death worm. Hi, welcome to the Weird World Podcast. I'm Carrie. I'm Ding. And as you may have already heard, Dean's <laughs> going to tell us about some big gross worm. Um, I wouldn't. I, scary I feel yes, scary yes. Gross depends. I beauty's the eye of the beholder, and mm. I would actually find them quite sexy. So today, <laughs> okay, oh, that that's is, gross. That could not could be the wrong word. Today we're going to talk about. It's a creature that probably didn't give rise to the monsters from Tremors, but it is terrifying, and it does live in the sands. Legend has it that it can kill people. That phenomenal Kevin Bacon movie came out in, I think, 1990, and there was a book called Dune by Frank Herbert that I know you're aware of. It's also also been made into movies as well. That came out, oh gosh, was it the 60s? Sometime in the 60s, I want to say. I don't know. The legend of the Mongolian deathworm does predate those two things, but who knows? It, and it, it wasn't widely known in the West, but I don't know. I, I, I don't know if it has anything to do with those movies or not. So but, wait, you're saying the legend? Is, is it a real creature, not a real creature? It is supposed to be a real creature. We're going to call it a cryptid because this you can oh, consider yeah. this an episode of the cryptid corner. Sometimes we call it a quick cryptid corner. This one would be a little <laughs> bit more of a medium cryptid corner, I think. But this is definitely a cryptid. This is an animal that is said to exist, that it is deep in the lore of Mongolia, and has many Mongolians have said to have seen it, or at least they know someone who has said sure, to yep. have seen it. And it is... Is it the Bigfoot of Mongolia? Uh, why not? Sure. Okay, let's go okay. with that. It seems a little bit ethnocentric, but fine, Carrie, if that's what you want to do. So... This creature is named the Mongolian deathworm only here in the West. In Mongolia, it is called the Olgoi Korkoi. No idea if I'm pronouncing that right, but which it's, means it's very, very, very super roughly translated. That means quote large intestine worm. Oh, yeah, which I believe refers more to the appearance. Yeah, it's said to look something like a large intestine, intestine. <laughs> maybe like a big cow's, but it's it's very thick too. It's sort of like a it's kind of a fat worm mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Well, I'll describe it here in a minute, but we're going to stick with the name Mongolian death worm because that's a thousand times better than Olgoi Korkoi, our large intestine worm. Oh, yeah. that's a little ethnocentric. Well, but it's also true. So this cryptid comes to us from the depths of the Gobi Desert in mm. Mongolia. You know where Mongolia is, I imagine? Yes. Where? In Asia. Good. Central Asia. It's sandwiched in between Russia and China. By the way, I said good like you were a 12-year-old. I, I know. apologize for that. Geography it's, is not my strong suit. No, but I, th- I bet you knew where it was. It was yeah, right. Okay. I did. I yeah. just said okay. where it was. I know. You said in Asia, which is a <laughs> massive, massive continent. Uh, yeah. Okay. But I did know it, it is in the vicinity of Russia. I believe you. Yeah. Which I assume then also Sarah Penn can see from her house as well. I assume. Mm, I assume. She I don't think could. so. She, she thinks she can. 
it's said that it largely inhabits the really isolated, barely populated, sandiest parts and, and driest parts of the Gobi Desert, kind of in the south and west of Mongolia. The Gobi Desert, if you don't know, is one of the most arid places on Earth. It's not. It's kind of a cold desert. It's not the hot, hot Sahara Desert, but it does have yeah. vast sandy dune areas, but also most deserts aren't sand dunes, but it um, it's a huge desert in the middle of Asia. It's from a, a rain shadow, and it's it's just insanely dry. It can get like literally less than an inch of rain a year wow. in lots of parts of it. There's a cryptozoologist and a biologist named Carl Schuker. I think I've mentioned him on the show before. Hmm. He wrote about the Mongolian deathworm's very unusual appearance. He said it resembled a large fat worm up to about a meter, it's about three feet or so, long, and it was dark red in color. Oh. Like blood red, some people will say. Well, that didn't look like an intestine. Now, well, that's, I know. I Yeah, I don't know. Who knows what kind of what kind of translation yeah. that is? It's a like I said, it's a very rough translation, but that's yeah, that's that's tough. That's a language that's nothing close to English. So, but the Mongolian deathworm also has these sort of spike-like projections at both ends. Think like little black spikes around its mouth and butt. And I think it's it's almost huh. like hard to tell the difference between the mouth and the butt, which is mm-hmm. not uncommon for worms. Yeah, yeah. So it does look very worm-like, but like a fat red, two or three foot worm. It spends virtually all of its time beneath the desert sands. It digs and burrows in the sand. And if one is spotted, this is from Carl Schuker, he says, but whenever one is spotted lying on the surface, it is scrupulously avoided by the locals, end quote. We'll find out why in a second. So typically, again, it's something like two or three feet long, but it has some sources put it all the way up to about five feet. And I think that's a probably an exaggeration, but still. Yeah. I, I think that's more, you know, fed by the bigger it is, the scarier it is kind of right. thing, although five feet, not that scary. It's also uh, I be- would be scared of a five-foot worm. Would you? Absolutely. A real worm, a legit worm, just a worm, just an earthworm that happened to be five feet long. You'd be scared of that? You'd like run away? Um, well, I might not have to run very fast, <laughs> but I wouldn't want to get very close to You'd it. You'd walk away. That's for sure. You'd keep yeah. your distance mm-hmm. and probably walk away. Yes. Okay. Would you take a picture of it? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, you would. All right. But, you know, I can zoom in on my... That's true. I don't need From to be... A solid 20 feet away. Yeah. Okay. It's said to be kind of sausage-like also. So, again, big, fat, red worms, spiny yeah. protrusions. Got it. Okay. Sorry. I wanted to, to make sure the description is crystal clear in people's minds. To the degree of overdoing it. Bright so, red blood sausage is what blood that would sausage. be. Blood sausage. Yes, definitely. For mm-hmm. sure. So, the part about how it travels is particularly interesting because it supposedly sort of digs through the sand underground, which sounds a lot like the beast from Tremors. Yeah, Yeah. and also the gigantic, even much, much larger sandworms from Dune, from the Dune novels, they they burrow through very rapidly through underground, which... I mean, I don't know how I don't know how deep is our sand dunes. I guess they can become pretty deep yeah. where it's just pure sand, but there's also hard yeah. ground under there. So they'd have to be burrowing through sand, which is not easy. Also, like the worms from Tremors, you can follow its motions under the ground by seeing like burrows or, you know, waves uh-huh. on the surface of the sand. And if you spot those waves, you can sort of follow or see where it's going. And maybe it's coming at you, maybe mm-hmm. it's going away from you. And in Tremors, you better get to hard rock. Yeah. Right? You had to get like the rock outcroppings and things like that. Do you remember Tremors? Tremors is a good movie. Love that movie. Yeah. The first one. Yeah. After that, mm, not so much. There was supposed to be, that was in our, we, we talked about that, I think, in our 
TV, those TV shows that never got made yeah. episode where there's supposed to be, a, I would love to see, um, I think that making a TV sh- series, well, a well done TV series in terms would be a winner. I think people would love it. If you wanted to say hunt the worm, you had better do it though in June and July because the creature is said to hibernate for the other 10 months of the year. Wow. So it's not very long, is it? Mm-mm. And even then it rarely rises to the surface Usually only when there is that very rare Gobi rain that would maybe draw it up apparently. So the a part of this legend is that it hibernates for 10 months. It comes to the surface very rarely. It seems like rain draws it to the surface. Sure. So there's, Just like our worms. That's true. That's very true. Mm-hmm. Oddly, though, there is little said about what the worm eats in the lore, in the legend. You don't, you know, I've read most everything. That you have, and I've, I've in the past. I for this episode, I just I went back to lots of the different websites and things like that. But I've read about the Mongol. I've known about the Mongolian yeah. earthworm for a lot, very long time. Well, and dumb question. Yeah, what do earthworms eat? I you know detritus <laughs> and just stuff like that. I think vegetative matter. I think, hmm. I think, but not these things because as we'll find out in a minute, they have some significant predatory powers. And so one source said, "quote." Aside from humans, the Mongolian yeah. deathworm preys on camels. It will leave eggs inside of the animal's intestines, which will eventually turn the camel the same shade of red as the creature, unquote. That's supposedly how they... I, now, are they eating the camel or, and just leaving it in the intestines? Or are they just killing it so they can lay eggs in it? I'm not clear. From the, Again, there's very little. So it's really surprising. You'll read all this stuff and all these accounts of it, and none of them except this one will say anything about what it eats, how it eats, how it prays. Yeah. It's weird. That little description there defied common sense. That it laid, why? That it turns the camel bright red. Bright red because of the eggs. It carries logic. No, it's Those not. Those two things follow absolutely, perfectly, can maybe not. <laughs> It's on though that it would supposedly eat camels or some or, or humans too, because some sources also say that it doesn't have a mouth that is mouthless. But other sources say, oh, it has a mouth, a big ass mouth yeah. that opens wide and has these sharp inward pointing teeth, razor sharp like fangs that point inward on yeah. its big giant mouth that can open very very wide. So bear this in mind; these two things. If you want to assess this on your own for this mm-hmm. real or not, because those kinds of discrepancies, oh, no mouth to big mouth with large yeah. fangs, those are red flags. That's never good. When the worm does come to the surface, this uh, the same source, I'll get to the source in a minute, by the way, it moves around supposedly like squirming along on its side, which seems a very, like, doesn't seem very, it's almost like a drunken snake. Yeah. Like, you know, snakes are on their belly. This one's on its side, like it, like it, it just had way, it had a lot of tequila, had like 15 shots of tequila. Oh, so worms stuff. have sides? Uh, well, sure. I mean, they're cylindrical. So, yeah. I don't know the difference. Yeah, the- they're cylindrical. Yeah, but you can tell. They got a belly, they got a side. So it squirms around its side, according to this really, really good source. So <laughs> <laughs> there's one source in particular that was just different from all the rest. For something that spends almost all of its time underground, though, that kind of seems odd for me. So the same source says the worm raises up its body when it's about to attack and uh-huh. it inflates itself until it explodes. This explosion releases this deadly poisons that are inside it, inside of the worm and that kills its prey so it can now eat the prey. Well, You would think it would kill the worm as uh-huh. well, wouldn't you? 
that's, I mean, that's almost the definition of a pyrrhic victory that you have to explode yourself yeah. to kill your prey, but apparently not. This source, though, says that the worms have like an exoskeleton and it can molt the exoskeleton whenever it's injured. But that, how would that negate that it's in soft inside parts are exploding when it attacks prey in this yeah. to release its poison or whatever? That, I don't know. I don't know either. But this does bring us kind of, it segues into why the Mongolian death worm is called the Mongolian death worm. And that is because it can kill you in several ways. Several really <laughs> scary, terrifying okay. ways. Well, let's disregard the inflate and explode method. I think it's highly unlikely. Yeah, I'm not buying that yeah, one. Yeah, that's worse than a bee sting. We should, by the way, as I've kind of already alluded to, forget that because that's all from this website that as far as I can tell, made mo- made up most of what they said. It was like these 15 scary things about the Mongolian, Mongolian death worm. I think about half of them I, I, I saw nowhere else. I mean, just completely made up. The exoskeleton thing, the rearing up and exploding, the preying on humans and camels, the laying the eggs oh, in the camels, okay. the no mouth, but also big mouth with fangs. All that's from this one. I should say what the website is, but I'm not yeah. going to because it's just absolute shit. It's, okay. it's full of shit. And by the way, the person who wrote this up, the purveyor of this nonsense, her name is January Nelson. Well, now everybody's going to go find out what her website is. Uh, that's okay because she's making shit up. She deserves okay. the, There should be consequences for, the, for, <laughs> for, for that. She describes herself as, quote, a writer, editor, and dreamer. Oh. <laughs> and she writes about astrology, games, love, relationships, and entertainment. So okay. that's the level of journalistic skill and credibility that is yeah. in this website. And she got her degree from Columbia University, so I'm sure her parents are proud. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and money well spent. What is within lore, though, and not just this one terrible website, is that the worm is both poisonous, venomous, and possibly also electronic, shocking in a way. Uh, so I'll like tell you. an eel? Exactly. So it's said that if you touch it, you will instantly feel this immense pain and you could die. So touching his body. Mm-hmm. So that tells me that's poisonous, I would argue, right? Like like the tree fa- frogs, I guess you might have to ingest them. But yeah. in this case, if you just touch it, you're going to possibly die and for sure be racked with horrific pain. So that seems more like more of a defensive mechanism, but it also would make the Mongolian death worm a poisonous animal. If you get close enough to it, it is said that it can spit or somehow project venom at you. And it's like this, it's almost like a yellow saliva, and it is so corrosive that it can supposedly melt through metal. Sure. Which is not a thing, which could obviously kill a person or a camel, or you'd think pretty much anything else. But if true, that makes the Mongolian death worm venomous. Yes. And lastly... Which, wait, in in nature, how often is... Venomous and poisonous? Uh I I think never. Okay. And venomous, poisonous, and electric shock... (laughs) The, the triple play of uh-huh. nature's predatory methods, uh, very much never. But this can also do that because it's, uh, I guess it has a dealer's choice. So if something's close to it, it can spit the venom at you or it can project some kind of a lightning bolt-like or some kind of an electric charge oh. that can zap you uh, like a burst of electricity and render you dead or at least incapacitated. So I, whether that's a means to prey on things or, again, protection or both, I don't know. Yeah. But that would also make it electric. Again, yeah. kind of three ways 
to kill you, which is pretty impressive and pretty rare. And by rare, I mean never yeah. heard of in the natural world. So the Mongolian deathworm is scary. Yeah. Only two or three feet long, maybe, but stay well, the sure. hell away from Yeah, them. if it can spit poison acid yeah. at you, I would. Acid, yeah. Yeah. It's worse than the creatures from aliens. Yeah, it I is. would argue. Because it's actually spitting them on you, not just bleeding or whatever the hell they did. No, 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 no. This is, this is the real stuff. This is the intent, all right? So how do we know about the Mongolian deathworm? As I mentioned, it came to the attention of the Western world before Dune was published, long before Tremors did, in fact, in the 1920s. But when it did so, it was very limited. Few people really knew about it in the Western world when it was first, the story was first told in, well, sure. in English. There was no internet. Well, but it was also told in a very obscure book. A guy named Rory oh. Chapman Andrews. <laughs> he was a paleontologist and naturalist and explorer. He's an American. He was a famous dinosaur bone hunter. He was one of the, not one of the first, there was, that was going on in the 19th century, but he was an early 20th century paleontologist who found a lot of amazing dinosaur bone discoveries because he was able to get access to Mongolia, which is a dinosaur bone haven. Yeah. And he was able to get access with these pretty well-funded, I think Smithsonian-funded oh. expeditions that went into Central Asia, and he's able to get some amazing findings. And he was also this kind of larger-than-life character a little bit. So he first told about the Mongolian deathworm in some magazine excerpts that were from his soon-to-be-published book. In fact, it wasn't published until 1926, but it was called On the Trail of Ancient Man, and Chapman talked about his expedition in 1919 that had, had gone into the depths of the Gobi Desert at that time. He first met, when he got to Ulaanbaatar, the capital, which was at the time called Ergen or something like that, he met with some Mongolian government officials. Mongolia, by the way, became um, a Soviet client state very early on. I, it was actually the kind of the first country to become sort of a Soviet satellite state. And, really? and I want to say the early 1920s. Which, I did not know that. Which for a very long time shot down any possibility of Western paleontologists going back there for a very long time. So Chapman was able, Chapman Andrews was able to, to make it there in time. So he went and he met with these Mongolian government officials and sort of smoothened the way for these expeditions into the, the Gobi Desert. While meeting with these officials, which included things like the premier of the country and the minister of foreign affairs, Andrews wrote that quote, then the premier asked if it were possible I should capture for the Mongolian government a specimen of the Alagorhai Horhai. He had it spelled differently <laughs> than it would later be rendered. None of those present ever had seen the creature, but they all firmly believed in its existence and described it minutely. They said it is shaped like a sausage about two feet long, has no head nor legs, and is so poisonous that merely to touch it means instant death. It lives in the most desolate parts of the Gobi Desert, whither we are going. Meaning... We're going there. Right. Because wither is a word that people use. Sure. I don't think people use that in 1926. How but. did they, exp I mean, how were they planning on capturing one, I wonder? Interesting you should ask that because someone had a really, really good idea. A minister said, it, quote, explained how it could be seized by means of long steel collecting forceps. <laughs> Moreover, I could wear dark glasses so that the disastrous effects of even looking at so poisonous a creature would be neutralized. End quote. So they were friendly enough oh. to tell him how he could capture their Mongolian death worm and bring it back to them. That sounds just silly. He said he would, and they were ecstatic about it. He promised yeah. it. He said, you know what? I'll give it a shot. I'll try. If I see one, I'll try, and I'll bring it back. And this helped actually smooth the way 
for his expedition into the desert. Quote, to the Mongols, it seemed to be what the dragon is to the Chinese, end quote. So I think they saw it as, I mean, they wanted to see this creature. They had heard about it, yeah. probably as, as kids, they had grown up with this creature in their folklore, but none of them had ever, ever seen it personally, and there was no living specimen of one. So they were hoping that Roy Chapman Anderson could go there and get them one in their own country. Yeah. And so when he said he'd do it, sure, it made his life easier. A Russian writer and paleontologist named Ivan Yefremov, he read... Andrew's book, we'll find out a little bit later, by the way, if Roy Chapman, Andrew's found one. Spoiler alert, he didn't. But this uh, Russian writer and paleontologist read Andrew's book, and he was very inspired by it. And he sort of, he, so he went to Mongolia, and he sought to find the source of this myth, this legend, if there's anything there. He did this while, by the way, he was fossil hunting in Mongolia. Again, he was a Russian now, so he was able to go fossil hunting in Mongolia. Mm-hmm. And while there, he sought out as many sources as possible and asked about the death worm. And he found a lot of sources who said that they had seen it, or at least that they heard of it, they knew about it, they believed it existed, that maybe someone they knew had seen it. Yeah. But he was unable to find anyone who had personally, first person, seen the death worm. Because they'd all be dead, probably. That's You know what? That's a good point. If yeah. you see one... And you yeah. within, I don't know, I've never, I don't know how far it could spit the venom or do the electrical charge, but still. Yeah. If you're close enough to say, what the hell is, oh my God, that's a death worm. You're probably going to die. Yeah. Good point. A Czech cryptozoologist named Ivan Mackerley, he was the one who really brought the Mongolian death worm to the Western world. He was an engineer, but he was also an amateur cryptozoologist, and he really dived deep into lots of different cryptids. And he became obsessed with the Mongolian death worm. It became kind of his favorite one. He read about it. And I don't know. I forgot how he was introduced or first found out about probably, you know, probably Roy Andrews's book. But he started looking through the Mongolian sort of literature. I don't know if he read Mongolian. Or, I mean, because <laughs> these aren't translated. That's one of the reasons it's hard to research yeah. this. Any kind of local lore that's in Mongolian is unlikely to be translated or available to the Western world. So he dove into that. I don't know if he taught himself, but he dove into that. And it was his publications in like kind of in magazines in the late 80s. And I think he wrote a couple of books in the early 90s that really made it kind of a household word and actually really inserted it into the, the cryptid world, the Western cryptid world. And it's actually, it's very well known. If you, any book about cryptids is going to include the Mongolian death one. Yeah. Mackerley, he did, was able to find a reference book that was about sort of legends in Mongolia by a Mongolian and about specifically about the Gobi Desert. And in his, he wrote a book about that same topic and he included the description of the Mongolian deathworm. He said, quote, another more dangerous animal also lives in the Gobi, the Algoi Korkoi. It resembles an intestine full of blood and it travels underground. Its movements can be detected from above via the waves of sand that it displaces, end quote. So that was, the way I interpret that, the way I read that, that, I don't think that's from his book. I think that was from a Mongolian source, but I'm not, the sources that I'm not 100% sure. Right. So I don't know. But anyway, he, Macrily, was not satisfied with just reading about it in Mongolian literature. So he actually was able to put together two expeditions, one in 1990 and one in 1992, to go to Mongolia and search for the death worm. Mm. Mostly, it was with like his friends <laughs> in Prague and his fellow cryptid hunter types. Yeah. So, and, and I don't get the sense that it was, you know, well-funded or anything like that whatsoever, but they were able to go to Mongolia, 
you know, I don't know, get four wheel through the sands of the Gobi Desert looking for the death worm on two different occasions. He was an engineer. Did I mention? I think I mentioned that. So he designed something he called the Thumper, which was like a motor powered device that just slammed repeatedly into the sand of the desert in an attempt to attract the worms because apparently he yeah. thought that Dune and Tremors were documentaries yes. and that would do it. <laughs> I don't know. I honestly don't know if that was in the death worm lore, but he felt that, yes. And when was that? He was there in 1990 and that was, and Tremors was released in January of 1990. Oh, wow. I don't know. And then the second one was 1992. I don't know if, if which one he had the thumper or if he did it for both or he did it for the second one. But honest to God, it may be that he saw that in Tremors. He, he, for sure, I, I do Dune also, if you walk on the desert, on yeah. the sand, I think, right? You can. So I don't know that that was the reason, but he apparently surmised, speculated that that would be able to attract a death worm and he could yeah. capture one with metal forceps perhaps. But no, he never saw any sign of the worms and I'm he was never shocked. able to draw one to the surface. I know it. A writer for a Fortean group, Charles Fort, remember, was the guy who did all kinds of like, you know, yeah. raining frogs and stuff like that. So, so there are still 14 groups all over the world to this day. In 2005, a writer for one of those groups, he led an expedition in the Gobi Desert, didn't find anything. Uh, there was an episode of Destination Truth. That's the oxymoronically named sci-fi channel American TV show with the always credulous Josh Gates, where he traveled to the Gobi in the winter of 2006, 2007, I'm going to assume he had a guided, let's say one day, maybe three hour tour with a local. He, after he, and he took off on a Jeep from his five star hotel in yeah. the capital and uh, went glamping. Well, be honest. Pretended he was searching for the Mongolian death If worm. somebody offered you a job doing that, would oh, you not oh, do hell? it? Shit, yeah. Yes. Absolutely. So. He's a complete uh-huh. sellout who uh, absolutely pretends he believes all this shit. And I, I will guarantee he does not believe a single word of it. But uh, but he's all, he's like Bear Grylls. Yeah. Who like, pretends he's an outdoorsman <laughs> as he spends the night in four-star hotels. He's kind of like that. So I've seen some of the things. It's like, I mean, they're barely off the highway. It's like, here in the deepest jungle. So calm down, Josh. There was an exhibition then in 2007 with Joss Gates. So, you know, if they can't find it, who can? In 2009, a group led by a New Zealand TV entertainment reporter named David Ferrier. <laughs> he also went to Mongolia. You can see the, wow. the, the types of people who are yes. going to look for this. These aren't high level. But honestly, the, probably the best one was Ivan Mackerley. At least I feel like Ivan Mackerley was genuinely yeah. interested and really thought these are just trying to score off something that had become kind of, you know, it is sexy. It is this thing that can shoot poison and electronically charge you. It's, 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 it's called the Mongolian death worm, a fun, phenomenal name. Great yeah. PR. Went Did the entertainment reporter though really think he was going to find one? <laughs> a New Zealand TV a- station. And then what was he going to do when he did? Oh no, He did not. He did inter- interview a lot of people though while he was there. And he actually came to the conclusion that at least judging by people saying when things were sighted, when these worms were sighted, that, it had peaked in the 1950s. I don't know if he's trying to imply that, oh, it's extinct now, and maybe, I don't yeah. know, but, but that's what he said anyway. Huh. All of these, there was absolutely no hard evidence for the worm. The only rumored hard evidence is that supposedly a Russian scientist found a worm body, the body of a Mongolian death worm in mm-hmm. 1972. Wow. But like all you know, physical specimens in these kinds of stories, like where there's like alien bodies or UFOs, you know, spaceships or radioactive yetis, that actual specimen that would prove the existence of it 
has been hidden away where no one can see it <laughs> in the deepest, darkest basement of some Russian museum because? or something like that. Because you don't want to take it out on a massively profitable yeah. world tour that undoubtedly would occur if it, these things really existed, mm -hmm. which means they don't exist. Or turn so, it over to science. So uh, Yeah, why would you hide away? Yeah. You wouldn't. It's so Nobody stupid. Would. The whole thing, I, I've, I've always... You know, the whole thing, like the government's covering up aliens because yeah. why? Shut the hell up. Yeah. So I'm not saying they, you know, they're completely truthful and divulge everything. No, but if they had a body and a spaceship, forget it. We would know about it. One last tidbit, though, about the warm behavior is that one source, and it was not the same source that January wrote for, it was a different source, which is also pretty trash. It warned its readers to not go strolling through the Gobi while wearing, quote, a yellow sundress lest you want the Mongolian <laughs> deathworm's diseased body to millipedally tighten around your trachea. The Mongolian deathworm hates the color yellow above all other things, end quote. Completely made up, wow. badly written, and completely made up. Again, I won't say the, the, um, yeah. the, that, that thing, but it's, it's if you read that quote, yeah. don't read on that, that, anything on that website again as long as you live, because that's just so stupid. I don't, I don't know, who knows, maybe they're trying to be funny or yeah. something like that and just aren't. Very good at it. Uh -huh. I don't know. Doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. Uh, why? Why is it? Yeah. No one else said that, and you're gonna say that. Why? Why? What's the point? Yeah. Are you just trying to add things to it because you think it's it's clever or something? No, you're not helping. You're actually hurting, well. dick. So anyway, there is a YouTube movie that you can go look at. It's called The Lair of the Red Worm. Mm. It's two parter. I don't know how long it is. I didn't bother to look at it. I'm sure it's, you know, I'm sure it's as good as all such movies on YouTube. End quote. <laughs> Read into that what you want. And Sci-Fi, who sent Josh Gates off to Mongolia to pretend to go hunting for the Mongolian deathworm, they made a trash TV movie in 2010 that was called Simply and Cleverly Mongolian Deathworm, oh. because no one could think of a better title. Yeah. It starred... Sean Patrick Flannery. Oh. Remember him? Yeah. He was from Young Indiana Jones and looked like he was ticketed for stardom, yeah. but it never happened, and he has to eat, so he made a movie called yeah. Mongolian Deathworm for Sci-Fi in 2010. Hmm. Good for him. He's a good actor, actually. Wait, is that the guy that was in um, Dead Poet Society? And mm, no. Or is that I, else? You mean the, the kid who killed himself? One of the, yeah, I think no, so. it's not him. He was okay. in Boondock Saints and the oh. later sequel to that. That's probably what he's best known for now. That became kind of a cult favorite. Yeah. It's a, not a good movie. I'll have to look my up. personal opinion. So despite the expeditions, the explosions, the traps. Oh, did I mention that, by the way? I, you know, I don't think I mentioned that. I forgot. I'm sorry. That the, the, um, Ivor McAuley, who did the, um, the thumper, yeah. he also would ignite small detonations thinking the same thing, just like more powerful than his, his motorized thumper. Yeah. So he, I don't dynamite or something, light up six of dynamite on the, on the Gobi floor, hoping it would attract a death worm. Again, it didn't. So there was all those expeditions, all those attempts, even Joss Gaten is finally pressed Indiana Jones knockoff outfit. None of those people have ever found any scrap of evidence that was, has brought to light that of the existence of the Mongolian death worm. I mean, like no, not just no body. And this is in the Gobi desert, very dry. A body would stay for a while. They found no tracks, no like, you know, tunnels, yeah. Leftover tunnels, no video, no picture, no prey items that looked like, oh, look, it's had poison spit in his face or whatever. Nothing yeah. is bitten, literally not one hair iota of evidence to prove the existence of the Mongolian deathworm. 
Some have argued that, oh, but wait, the reports are so widespread and they're so consistent that there's got to be something there at their core, right? You buy that? No. Good. Because if that was true, we'd have to believe in dragons, Uh, centaurs, ogres, I mean, anything, literally. If you want to claim that you saw a unicorn, what are you going to say? God. That too. Don't be so controversial, <laughs> Carrie. Well, if you if you wanted to say I saw something, you would you would describe what? How would you describe a unicorn? A white horse with a single horn on his forehead. Everybody knows that. So if yeah. everybody describes it, once that's been set, once the type has been set, if people are consistent, that proves absolutely nothing. It just proves that they know of the the typeset, yeah. the archetype. No, unicorns actually have a rainbow mane and a glittery horn. That's Carrie. That's a certain subspecies. The main, the primary species are. are they also are huge, huge fans of human virgins. Fact. Oh, I don't yeah. know about Makes that. Makes them a little creepy, doesn't it, Carrie? Doesn't it change your <laughs> opinion of male unicorns because they like human female female virgins? True huh. story, I swear to God. No, that kind of reasoning does not track just because there is this legend of the yeah. Mongolian deathworm that's consistent, doesn't speak to its actual existence. Yep. So the death warrant, it probably is legend. Roy Chapman Andrews, he came to that same conclusion. And he's pretty open-minded, because why wouldn't he? he think, it wasn't like, it's not crazy. Two or three feet, it can spit venom. That's not impossible. Yeah. So when he, he went out there looking for it and thought that I, he took it pretty seriously, he came to the conclusion that it wasn't real. In 1932, he wrote another book called The New Conquest of Central Asia, which sounds terrifying. And he recounted his 1919 you know, story about what the Mongolian premier and minister of foreign affairs told him. Um, and he also added, quote, I have never yet found a Mongol who was willing to admit that he had actually seen it himself, although dozens say they know men who have. Moreover, whenever we went to a region, which was said to be a favorite habitat of the beast, the Mongols at that particular spot said that it could be found in abundance a few miles away. We're not the belief in existence so firm in general, I would dismiss it as a myth. But he really, he, he did come to the conclusion that he thought it was yeah. just, it was legend, it was local lore, and there's nothing to it. It almost sounds like, like El Dorado. It's like, oh no, it's not here, but it's in the next valley, something like that. Yeah. So still, let's be open-minded. If there was something at the core of it, what could it be? Could there be something that just over time, there's actual real creature, but over time, it kind of told and retold and maybe embellished a little bit, which is natural, and became what we now know of as the Mongolian deathworm. If there is, let's first get rid of the word worm. Yeah. And and thinking of it as an as actual, literal worm from whatever genus, I don't know, right. <laughs> family, whatever worms are. It, it, the, the Gobi Desert is harsh. It's fantastically arid. Yeah. De- worms are... Fleshy, soft-bodied, moisture-loving yeah. creatures. There's absolutely no yeah. way it would be any an actual real that's worm. A, I was gonna say that's how I would try to attract it. Just water. S- yeah. Not bring, not a not a bring bar- of the sand. No, or bring exploding. barrels of water and dump it all over the sand. Or just wait there for a very long time until it's a rain and just hang out in a certain part in the rainy season, which I believe is from August 1 to August 2. No. It'd be smarter to bring the It water. would probably, you're right. I think the, the word worm is just, is a translation. Someone who made up, whoever made up the phrase Mongolian death worm. I mean, again, it was called large intestine or something like that. That's what the literal transliteration from Mongolian is. So. That's what you think is a snake? Well, 
There is a type, there are legless lizards. Yeah. You've heard legless, they're sometimes called worm lizards because they do look a little worm-like, some of them do. They're actual lizards. They come, they're not snakes because they come from a different, right. they come from lizards, the, the evolutionary tree of lizards, not snakes. Yeah. And, but they have no visible limbs. They typically burrow underground. They can be several feet long. They live all over the world, including in Asia, although not in the Gobi Desert. And say they're rare, say they have, the locals might see them as something unusual and strange. I don't know. They do look like snakes, though. Yeah. Which the Mongols are familiar with. Yeah. They're not venomous. So why did that get attached to them? They're certainly not electric or poisonous either. There's just no reason they'd see a two or three foot legless lizard and freak out. It also doesn't make sense that a creature would get that big in the Gobi Desert because. What would they eat, and where would they get? Well, enough? there are. I mean, there are creatures out there. There's always more life in the desert than people realize. Very Even large ours. life. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, you know, like like rodents and and um, yetis, and I want to say <laughs> I don't know what's in the Gobi. I don't know the fauna of the Gobi Desert, Carrie. But it's I'm in sure the there's desert. Some camels. What large yeah. animals live in the California desert? Sand bears. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just made that up. That sounds like a cool animal. Mm-hmm. Let's make that could be a cryptid, a sand bear. Let's do that. Okay. So, but you said what you said before has actually been proposed as well. Snake. Yeah. There is an animal in Central Asia called the Tartar sand boa, oh. and it does burrow underground and in sand. And so it's been proposed as, hey, that could be it. In fact, in 1983, I read something that said, supposedly in 1983, someone showed a sand boa to some Mongolians who had claimed they had seen the Mongolian death worm. And those people say, oh, yep, that's it. You got it. That's the death worm. Sort of, equ- so, you know, sort of case closed, the sand, worm, yeah. the sand boa is the death worm. But I, I saw that at one source. Every other source says no person has ever said, I saw it. There was no someone who else right. who saw it. So... I, I'm skeptical of that story. Yeah. And Sambo's, they're not fat. They're not red. They, got, they don't have any little spines. You can tell they're ass from their head. They're not venomous. They constrict, like all boas. So they hunt small game by constricting right. them. Not, they don't spit camels in the face with poison that can melt metal, which is nonsense, which is not, yeah. is not possible. And they don't certainly emit lightning blast at things. So... If there is a kernel of some kind of snake that started it, that's beyond embellishment. Yeah. <laughs> that's creating a brand new creature, which makes it likely that it was always a brand new creature. And that's, I mean, that's kind of it. There's no other really even plausible, hey, this could have given, given rise to the legend of the Mongolian yeah. death worm. There's nothing, like, you're right, there's not a lot of animals there. These are the best that, the two best, say, well, the legus lizard and snake, that's it. That's all we got. No one thinks it's a real worm. But it's a myth. It's a legend, unless right now, as we speak, there's a real live, fat, red, three-foot, venom-spitting, electric worm tunneling under the sands of the Gobi Desert, trailing the hooves or feet, do camels have hooves, of an unwary camel ready to strike, spit venom in its face, and make it its midnight meal. That's what I want to believe. I feel bad about the camel, but I really hope that's true. Okay. Do you think it is? No. Damn it. Sorry. Probably not. This is one of those things that, you know, it's just, it's, I, I, I don't know if the Mongolian Bigfoot is the right way to think about it, but it's just an, it's a 
mystical creature. Yeah. You know, everything's Europeans, all the people who make up mythical creatures. Everybody well, has no. mythical creatures in every yeah. culture. This is theirs. How, I, I would like to now go back to that party with Roy Chapman Andrews. And I, I don't know, were, were they, did they really think, did the president of Mongolia really think that this was a potentially living creature? Or, or you know, like our creatures, like, you know, what's a creature in, in, in European folklore, folklore that's been you know, exported to America that everybody knows is not something real? I don't know, a jackalope or something like that, that everybody knows is not real. Would, did they really... Were they messing with him? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Do they really think it's possibly real? Because I guess there is. There are some things in folklore that are folkloric creatures, but that culture comes to think of them as potentially yeah. real. And of course, in the olden days of Europe, yeah, a lot of those things, centaurs and yes. things like that, yeah. and dragons were seen as real. I was going to say, potentially, was this the 1919 yes, thing? Yes, it was. So back then... yeah. It's possible. Things were less well explored and, yeah. you know. And, and it's their folklore, not ours. Yeah. So they would be more likely to believe. And I, I'm just, I feel like it sounds. Ridiculous. It, it, but it also sounds racist, ethnocentric to say, oh, in 1919, those Mongolians could have believed something so ridiculous was real. Why Europeans had shed those, those back in the, you know, I don't know, whatever, age of enlightenment and no one believed in centaurs anymore. I don't know. Um, I like it. They might have believed in other things. It's Ridiculous a things. A great point. Who? Europeans. Sure, sure. Loch Ness monster. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Loch Ness monster is for sure real, and it's out there. Leprechauns, <laughs> leprechauns, fairies, leprechauns, changelings. Sure, changelings. isn't that a thing? Ooh, scary, scary. We'll have to do, we'll have to cover those. Yeah. So that's the story of the Mongolian. Deathworm again, kind of a kind of a, one of those second tier stars of the cryptid world. You probably may. I don't know if you've heard of it or not, you listener. But you have a. You have now, and b. It's an interesting creature. Sure. I just don't think it's not one. Unlike there are there are several um, cryptids out there. We'll get to them eventually. Who there where there could have been something real at their core. I don't think that's probably true for the Mongolian deathworm. I think it's just intended as a story. Maybe like a story yeah. like, hey, going out to the middle of the Gobi is dangerous. Like a boogeyman. Yeah. Like to keep kids away from <laughs> the water. You know, right? Like the Irish Kelpie, which was this this horse-like creature that would drown you. It mm -hmm. was to keep kids away from the water's edge because they drowned because yeah. they can die. It may, so maybe the Mongolian deathworm was like that for the Mongolians to keep kids out of wandering into the desert. Sure. That's the, I have no idea if that's true or not. I'm pure speculating, but who knows? Maybe. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Carrie's a believer. I've got one. <laughs> To my <laughs> hypothesis, maybe you too. Tell us what you think about the Mongolian death worm. You think it's real? If it's not, is it, am I full of shit? Or if you have any other creatures that you believe in. Let's hear. Or just any of the cryptids. We're going to do these cryptid things a lot because I love them. Carrie tolerates them barely. But um, so if you have one of your favorite cryptids, throw it out there and we'll, and we'll cover yeah, it. Yeah, you even infected our children. Didn't Jack do some video <laughs> report? Yes, he did. <laughs> and didn't he include the Mongolian death worm in it? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I think he did. Yeah. I think he did. But it, the Maybe report was on the Kappa. I thought it was on... More than one. Uh, well, his main, the main emphasis of it was on the Kappa, oh, and we okay. did a little stupid video where he yes. supposedly found a Kappa. Hey, this is stupid. It was, it was great. Cute. It was genius. He was like five. <laughs> uh, um, so uh, we, yes, yes, yeah. they have been infected to some mm -hmm. degree. So if you're infected as well, I love cryptids. It's my, yeah. one of my favorite topics in the world. So send us your favorite cryptid, and we'll maybe cover it 
Sure. On Quick Cryptid Corner. And this one was not that quick, was no, it? No, it wasn't. Sorry. All right. <laughs> See ya. So thanks for listening. <laughs> thanks for enduring. Tolerant voice. So thanks for listening. <laughs>